Welcome to the Retire Right Podcast with Larry Heller. You deserve complete financial advice. There's no acceptable alternative if you want a plan to live well and on your terms. Complete financial advice equals complete peace of mind. Now, let's get into this week's podcast episode. Hello and welcome to the Retire Right Podcast with Larry Heller from Heller Wealth Management. Today, we've got a special guest. We're excited to have as our guest today, Sal Albanese, a CPA. Sal is the founder of Salvatore Albanese and Company, LLC, a full-service CPA firm. Prior to starting his own firm, Sal worked at the Big 8 accounting firm of Arthur Young. Salvatore Albanese and Company has been providing accounting, tax, bookkeeping, and estate planning to individuals and businesses for over 35 years. They have offices located in New York City, Long Island, and West Palm Beach, Florida. Sal is married, has four daughters, and lives in Oyster Bay, New York. Sal and Larry will be discussing the 2018 tax law changes and providing some suggestions on how to reduce your income taxes. Good afternoon, gentlemen. How are you? Doing great, Eric. Thank you. Larry, you have a special guest. Can you introduce your guest? Sure. So uh, as you said, Sal Albanese is my guest today. Sal and I actually go back a couple years now. Uh, we have some uh, some joint clients that we work on together. And, uh, you know, Sal has done a great job in finding some uh, tax suggestions and planning suggestions for some of my business clients and individual clients. Nice. So I thought today would be a great time to talk about taxes as 2018 is the first year of a new tax law. So Sal, why don't you kind of give us a quick summary? I don't know if quick is a good word. Why don't you give us a, a, a kind of a summary of the uh, 2017 tax cuts? Thanks very much, Larry. Appreciate uh, being here. Yes, the 2017 Tax Cuts and Jobs Act is one of the most pieces of uh, legislation that was passed this past December since the 1986 Tax Reform Act that President Reagan uh, enacted back in 1986. Of course, it affected both individuals and businesses by having significant tax rate reductions and also uh, income tax, uh, eliminating some major in income tax deductions. Yes, Al, and one of the interesting things about this new tax law is why don't you tell everybody what happens in 2025? <laughs> well, of course, uh, unless Congress acts again, it will, uh, all of the above will be eliminated. So what do you mean by that? It goes back to the way the tax law was in 2017. So for the next, what, seven years, we've got some relatively, we'll talk about some of the specifics, but we got some relatively lower tax brackets that could go back to higher tax brackets in 2026, correct? That's correct. Great. Well, why don't we, uh, you know, why don't you elaborate on some of the, you know, the key tax rate changes with this new law? Well, Larry, since the new law came into effect and came into effect January 1, 2018, we still have seven tax brackets. However, the brackets have changed both at the corporate level and personal level. The maximum tax bracket that we used to have was 39.6% for individuals. That rate has been reduced to 37%. So that's... for the high, high earning people, they're getting a little bit of a uh, reduction now, even though it's only a few percentage. Well, it's 2.6%, but when you apply that to a million dollars, that's a significant amount of money, tax savings, because obviously it's a dollar for dollar savings. At the corporate level, I think we've seen it through, demonstrated it in the stock market. 
the rates have dropped from the maximum rate of 35% to 21%. That's a tremendous 14% savings that went directly to the bottom line of every corporation. Wow. So, uh, so you mentioned the stock market. So I guess a lot of these big corporations are able to make more money, which is, you know, making the stock market up until maybe the last week or so go, you know, go, go up a lot. So let's talk about today's, we're really going to focus in on individuals planning, but since you mentioned the corporations, we could have a whole separate podcast just on business planning with the new tax law. But why don't you give, you know, some of the things that a business owner can or should be doing with this new tax law? Well, Larry, since the rates have dropped significantly, what we're currently doing and have been doing since this act has been in place is reviewing our business clients to determine whether or not they should consider switching from S corporations to C corporations. The significant drop in rate applies to C corps. So therefore, if a lot of small businesses are currently S-Corps, and S-Corps is, is what we call a flow-through entity, which basically means that they would be taxed at the individual rates. They would be comparing a maximum 37% at the individual versus paying 21% at the corporate level. So we're reviewing to determine whether or not it makes sense for small businesses to convert and therefore retain their profits and saving a significant amount of tax dollars. Yeah, so, so like I mentioned, you know, we're gonna focus on individuals because some corporations are allowed to switch over and use C corporations. Some such as financial service like uh, wealth managers, we're not allowed to do that. So it's important that you sit down with your accountant and, and plan some of these, uh, I guess, before the end of the year, right? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Let's get back to the, you know, talking about the individuals and, you know, how it's impacted each person out there. Why don't you talk a little bit about how being in a high tax state, you can be affected with this new tax law? Well, one of the deductions that uh, has been eliminated and it, it's basically impacting the high tax states like New York, California, Connecticut, New Jersey, where property taxes are very, very high and income tax rates are also very, very high. A lot of taxpayers were relying on those kind of deductions to save significant taxes. Well, the new act has put a cap on the amount of state and local taxes that you're able to deduct. What I mean by that is you add up your real estate taxes and you add up your state and local income taxes, you come up with a total the maximum you can deduct under the new tax law is $10,000. That's a significant drop. To clarify, so if your, you know, if your property taxes are 20,000, you can only deduct 10, and then you're not, you can't deduct any of your state and local taxes, correct? That's correct. It's kind of interesting, you know, we work with a lot of, a lot of retirees, and we're now having conversations with them about possibly moving out of state. Have you, have you had any of those conversations with your clients? Uh, yes, yes, I have uh, with the elderly and also the new employees. You know, they're analyzing to see where they can afford to live. And all of a sudden, if you're starting out, trying to start a family, uh, got your first job, they're looking to see where they're able to save a few dollars. And when they hear 
that states like Florida, Texas, Washington, being some states that do not have a state and local income tax, it's very, very appealing, especially when they're faced with, like you said, twenty, thirty thousand dollars in property taxes if they were to own a home in Nassau County, for example, and not able to deduct most of it. Doing that analysis and really doing some planning there, obviously you don't want to move just for tax purposes alone, but like Sal has mentioned, depending upon how much money you earn and what your state and local taxes and property taxes are, you know, we're, we're talking about significant differences on an annual basis that you could be paying to the federal government just because of where you live, right? That's correct, yes. Let's switch gears and let, let, let's talk about some of the other deductions that were uh, eliminated or modified. I know there's a lot of them. So uh, let's go through a few of them uh, and let our audience know which ones they should be aware of. Well, Larry, the first deduction that was eliminated was those of a personal exemption. A personal exemption in the amount of $4,050 per person is what we were able to deduct in prior years for ourselves, your spouse, your dependent children, and any other dependents that you may have, uh, depending on your income level. Well, those deductions have been eliminated totally. So if you're a family of four, you would be looking at a, losing a, over $16,000 deduction. But you do get, if you have a minor child, you do get now a credit. Is that correct? Absolutely. What they did do is they took it away on one side and they gave some of it back as a credit on the other side. So if you have a, a dependent child under 17 years of age at the federal level, we used to be able to receive a credit for $1,000. They doubled that to $2,000. And it's a credit. A credit basically means dollar for dollar, as opposed to a deduction where in order to receive a benefit, you need to ca apply a tax rate that you're into that deduction. So yes, that was one of the nice so givebacks. So those with, you know, with minor children could see a, a benefit by the new tax law there. Great. What are some of the other ones, Sal? Well, Larry, you used to be able to take all of your moving expenses if you were to move due to a job reason. Of course, there were a lot of specific requirements, but no longer the IRS is in the moving business. They're not allowing us to deduct any moving expenses. What I would expect to, uh, you know, to see in this area is taxpayers approaching their new employer hoping to perhaps reimburse them for those moving expenses because we're no longer able to deduct them. Another area, we all have seen a lot of these casualty losses. Uh, in the past, if you got into a car accident, for example, and you were not uninsured, casualty loss. Or if you got something stolen from your home or whatever, it's a casualty loss. Theft or is a hurricane. Well, hurricane still applies. They still apply. Uh, they so still apply. Yes. Now, in order to, so those types of deductions, casualty losses that we used to be able to take, we're no longer able to take them unless they're classified as a natural disaster. So the hurricane still qualifies, but that auto accident does not, or that theft does not. Another major area is unreimbursed business expenses. We all have lots of clients that are in uh, businesses where they are compensated based on, you know, how much commissions or how much revenue they produce for a company. So their incentive was to go out and entertain and spend dollars in promoting their business. 
they used to be able to deduct those expenses on their Schedule A and their personal tax return. Of course, they would be subject to, you know, certain limitations, 2% of adjusted gross income. They're no longer deductible. Um, so I would also expect that a lot of the employees will approach their employers to have those types of deductions reimbursed. My uh, feeling with that is I believe the IRS is, uh, is sort of shifting the burden of audit to the employer as opposed to themselves. Gotcha. Go through a few others, Sal. I know there's a lot here. We're not going to be able to you know, list every one, but sure, let's sure. go through some of the others. Sure, sure. Of course, an area that comes home is income tax preparation fees. Those are no longer deductible. They used to be subject to 2% of adjusted gross income, along with investment advisory fees uh, are no longer deductible. Alimony is an area that there are significant changes. Uh, the IRS does not want to be in the divorce business. So therefore, effective January 1, 2019, if you have a divorce situation where an individual pays alimony to the spouse under the old law, it was deductible to the person paying and taxable to the recipient. Under the new law, none of it is deductible or taxable. These are for new divorces, effective 1-1-2019. So I would imagine that there's a tremendous number of uh, individuals rushing to court to get divorced before the end of the year. Yeah, it's interesting. We had a podcast with a divorce attorney, and they're still not sure exactly what that means because not every judge is going to be able to sign off on these before December 31st. So is it a, when does that actual go into effect? So uh, I guess time will, uh, will tell to see what this. is, but that's a very important one. Well, Larry, we should say that there are still a lot of areas, including this one, that we need clarification on, especially on the corporate uh, side where we touched on before. There are certain deductions that are allowed for uh, small businesses, flow through entities, and the IRS is still trying to clarify which entities it applies to and which ones it does not apply to. So I would imagine with the alimony situation, perhaps is new filed divorces effective 119, but we're not sure yet. We need clarification on it. So as I said, on a positive note, the person who's receiving the alimony wouldn't have to pay taxes on it under the new tax law. So I would imagine that the divorces are going to be uh, probably negotiated a little bit differently going forward. Well, which is maybe a, maybe a good thing. Right. Um, medical deductions, this is an area that they've, uh, they actually uh, have allowed us to claim higher, a higher amount. In prior years, you had to uh, have reached at least 10% of adjusted gross income before you received the first dollar of deduction for medical purposes. They lowered that to 7.5%. If you are, are incurring significant medical and you know, health insurance, uh, doctor bills, dentists, prescription drugs, <clears throat> any kind of medical supplies and whatnot, you add them up and the first 7.5% is disallowed. Anything above and beyond that would be allowed. In the mortgage area, there has been a change. The old law, we were able to deduct interest, mortgage interest on the first million dollars worth of mortgage. They've lowered that amount. You can only deduct interest on the first $750,000 of mortgage debt. But that is only for a new mortgage. You're grandfathered in on the million if you already had that. Is that correct? Absolutely. Same thing with the alimony. If you've been paying alimony all along, you still are entitled to a deduction. So, yes, both the mortgage and the alimony deduction, if it's in existence, it's grandfathered in. Yes. 
Great. I mean, those are some, you know, some key items to uh, to be aware of. And there's others that we didn't discuss. But in general, Sal, you know, why don't you kind of give us an idea how lower income, higher earners are going to be impacted by this new law? Well, what I do see and have been doing for my clients is at the individual level, we do see a lot of juggling back and forth. What I mean by that is the standard deduction, which we didn't talk about this yet, but the standard deduction has been doubled. Uh, That is uh, for individuals that normally don't have a lot of itemized deductions. Itemized deductions would be medical expenses, taxes, mortgage interest, you know, those types of deductions. Individuals were able to take a flat approximately $12,000 deduction if you're married. Well, they doubled that to $24,000. So that creates a, a tremendous opportunity for individuals that may not have uh, as complicated tax return as others to not pay taxes on $24,000. That's the, fl- the standard deduction. So what we're doing is we're analyzing both all individuals to see where they fall. And we go one step further. We basically do some planning there to bunch up type of expenses. Uh, what I mean by that is one year you may be taking the standard deduction. So if you take the standard deduction, uh, in 2018, uh, one of the things that we probably advise the client to do is not to make, give any charitable contributions, for example, or not to incur that extra medical bill so that they would basically do those things on January 1, 2019, where they would double up their contributions in 2019 and not give any in 2018, therefore benefiting both from the standard deduction in 2018 and the itemized deduction in 2019. And you can keep on doing that back and forth. Right. Now, those are great ideas. In fact, one of the things some of our clients have, have done are these donor advised funds because they could basically, you know, bunch up their deduction for tax purposes, but give the charity some money this year, some money next year. And if you do have the wherewithal, but some of them are doing five years of deductions in one, you know, in one year. So uh, so you're doing that planning is is real important. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, there are certain fixed deductions that you have. In other words, your real estate taxes are what they are and they will be what they will be, meaning $10,000. That's really the deduction. But Larry, as uh, you know, if, um, you know, the, the variable deductions, the ones that like, for example, the charitable contributions, the medical <clears throat> expenses, if you have private mortgages, you know, you may choose to pay the interest on that private mortgage in the year that benefits you the most. That's interesting. Okay. Remember, cash basis taxpayer, along with other types of of deductions. So the key is to plan. And I I believe that that this new law has really complicated things enough that we really need to do a lot more planning than we ever had to do. Right. And the key is to do some planning prior to the end of the tax year and not wait until next April and say, oh, I could have done this. I shouldn't have done that. And just one one thing I'm going to throw out there, some of the planning that we've done for some of our retired clients is, you know, looking at these seven brackets, we've now created a lower tax bracket, a 12 percent bracket that may or may not exist in 2026. So we have some clients that are, you know, have retired and for example, are 65. We just had a client retire at 65. He's not taking a social security to 70 and has a very large IRA account. 
So between 65 and 70, he's going to be in a very low, low tax bracket. But then when he turns 70, because of his requirement of distribution, he's going to jump up into a really high tax bracket. Doing the planning and, and going, you know, contrary to many accountants out there and is that you wait until you're 70 to you pull from your IRA. Now may be a good time to pull some money from your IRA, keep you in a 12% bracket or even still do a Roth conversion. And uh, we, we've talked about Roth conversions in some of our other podcasts, but this is now even a, another way and another opportunity to do some great Roth conversions. I agree with that 100%, uh, Larry. We do quite a bit of that ourselves. As a matter of fact, uh, I think if you're older than 59 and a half, right, to the point that <clears throat> the penalty, the IRA distribution penalty doesn't apply, not only for, you know, for the retirees, uh, but you may have some business people that are still in business that have may have a, a, a sub-S loss that throws them into a very low tax bracket or even into a negative situation, negative taxable income. That's the opportunity to withdraw that IRA that's been locked up, as you indicated that you do, even though it may be coming out of a traditional you know, IRA and not pay the penalty and not pay any tax because of your other losses that you may have had. So yeah, there's great, great kinding of opportunities. Right, that's why, you know, it's important, I know Sal does this with all of his clients, is it's really not just to have an accountant now, especially now, just do your tax return in April, because all this planning needs to be done before the end of the year. You should be reaching out if your accountant hasn't reached out to you yet and saying, hey, you know, before the end of the year, we, we need to sit down or we need to speak by phone and talk about your situation to see what kind of planning can be done. You need to be, you know, reaching out to your accountant and making those calls. Any other key things that our listeners should be doing prior to the end of the year? Oh, absolutely. Every year, Larry, my firm, myself, along with the, my staff, go through all of our client list and we take a snapshot of where they are as of today. And we project out pretty much what the balance of the year brings and project out the tax liability and try to minimize that tax liability. And some of the things that we we come back to them with is, uh, for example, you know, in your industry, I know you and I work together on, on a lot of clients where we'll call you and say, how is uh, Mr. Jones's uh, capital gains uh, this year? And, and if it makes sense, of course, we'll ask you to take some losses. Uh, I know you do that for your clients. We don't have losses for our clients. I know, I know, I know you don't, but uh, you may want to get rid of some. <laughs> Offsetting capital gains with losses is a good is a good position. Before the end of the year, one of the most areas that business owners need to focus on is to determine whether or not they want to establish a qualified pension plan, uh, whether it's a defined benefit plan or a profit sharing plan, uh, defined contribution plan or not. All they need to do is establish it, and then they can fund that until. You know, they have time until they file the tax return to actually fund it. Um, so that's another area that we do a lot of work in. You know, in general, of course, it's always, not always, but in most situations, it's, uh, it's always a good position to defer income if you can and anticipate deductions if you're trying to uh, bunch up those deductions as we spoke before. One last area, usually, uh, you know, clients um, find themselves receiving bonuses uh, or commission, large commissions during the course of the year. Uh, 
this is the time to catch up. So for example, we're bonusing out, we're actually advising clients to issue a bonus to themselves to have taxes withheld to cover themselves for any underpaid taxes that they should have made during the prior three quarters. It's a good, it's a good time to catch up. Great. Sal, thank you so much for uh, for joining me today. These are some great ideas and planning that everyone out there should be should be doing and doing you know now. You know, don't wait until after the December thirty first, like I've mentioned a few times now. Now's the time to doing some of these planning, and and not just planning for this one year, but looking ahead and and, and seeing where you can take opportunities now that may disappear somewhere down the road. Um, if you'd like to reach Sal directly, you can reach him at uh, 516-417-8503 or through his website at salalbanese.com. Thank you, Sal. Thank you, Larry. Gentlemen, thank you so much. This was a great podcast. Larry, thank you for bringing Sal in. I learned a ton. Sal, one thing I learned is I, I'm really surprised that our government would change tax laws to confuse us. Does that happen often? Of course it does, uh, Eric, and, uh, and, and as uh, predicted, we cannot file our 2018 uh, income tax return on a postcard as uh, campaigned. As, as, as was promised kind of thing? As yeah. it was promised, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> of course not. Well, well, maybe we'll try for 2020 or 2024 or 2022. Who knows? Uh, we'll see what changes come in the future. Everybody out there, thank you so much for listening. And yes, there are a lot of changes. So please contact Sal, contact Larry. They work together wonderfully and they can really help you out and answer any questions that you have. Thank you again for listening to the Retire Right podcast with Larry Heller. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Larry comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thanks for listening. For everyone at Heller Wealth Management, This is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. We'll see you next time.